heavy track today. Yeah, not vibing risky lettuce, getting sinker vibes. I don't know, says on the Tab app she's firming. Don't just vibe it, get expert tips in Tab's new race feed. Tab, we're on. What are you really gambling with? Now on Racing Pulse, RSN's racing editor, Matt Stewart. My view is that the Melbourne Spring Carnival's a national institution that we all benefit from. It's not like Sydney doesn't benefit from the might of the Melbourne Spring Carnival. For more news, opinion and selections, head to rsn.net.au. Uh, it is time uh, for the RSN Racing Editor, Maddie Stewart, Editor Maddie Stewart, to join us, who is bubbling with the amount of news that is around the traps at the moment. How are you, Maddie? Bubbling, obviously. <laughs> I am I'm trying to pump you up because, I'm let's be honest, you're far from bubbling. No, far from bubbling. Uh, lots going on. Um, the... Uh, I think the Jamie Carr news is the biggest. She's found a ride in the Melbourne Cup. Uh, it's a roughie, but it's a lightweight with a chance called More Felons. Uh, we had Richard Pegum on the Brecky Show this morning saying, uh, reiterating his faith in Jamie Carr. There's been so much talk about whether she's in form or whether she's just not getting the right rides. Uh, Gee, I hope she doesn't read the papers because she's been back paper, front page for the last two days. Um, the spotlight and the pressure is immense at the moment. For I suppose the biggest name in racing when it comes to the bubble outside of racing, well, which it's, is why you've got the Herald Sun who loves clickbait, wants to go with the big story, Jamie Carr, all the time, where any other jockey wouldn't be under this spotlight. Well, I think it's a reflection of the status of Jamie Carr. It's got a Dustin Martin level of scrutiny, hasn't it? Uh, yeah, you, you know, you can't. Uh, sort of factor in how people will react to what's written about them, but you you would imagine that she's feeling a lot of pressure. You know, it was interesting, the comments from Mick Price yesterday and Craig Williams about... Um, Mick Pro- do you want to have a listen to what Craig Williams had yeah, to say? Yeah, let's have a listen to what Craig about Williams had to say. Jamie Carr and her perceived or um, current form slump. You know, if you go back to Jamie Carr, you're right. Are we saying she's not out of... She's out of form because she's not riding five winners every meeting? Like, her her... Her last two years had been at such a high strike rate. It's very hard for any sports person. Someone said to me, um, they said, oh, look, uh, Buddy Franklin kicks all the goals and everything. Do you know if he lines up 10 times, you know how many kicks? And they said he kicks percentage-wise six. They went, oh, I just thought he gets them all. So, so it, it is a, it is an optal, it is a bit of a, an illusion and an expectation, and depending on the horse and and the circumstances, sometimes it's unreal unrealistic expectation. But you know, we, we we find that sometimes you know things just happen. Like you say, you're seeing them like they're pine, they're watermelons, and you know you see the batsman in the cricket, and all of a sudden they're just getting everything. And you know, it, and it, it, that's just sport. That's just life in general. Very philosophical take on it. He's obviously not a huge AFL fan to assume that Buddy Franklin always never misses, but uh, I know what he was talking about. Huge amount of pressure. I think unprecedented pressure on a jockey that I can recall about their status coming into the Spring Carnival and where they're at and people thinking about it a lot and talking about it and writing a lot about it a lot. And, you know, she's got this ride now. More felons at 50 kilos. Um, has it got a chance? It's a it's a it's a long shot. It's got a, the cup's got a long tail. If Valban doesn't turn up, maybe there's an opportunity there for for Jamie Carr on more felons. And it was interesting the the sewer of social media yesterday when it was announced that she got the ride. Some of the commentary underwood underneath was just 
you wonder where people are coming from about you know oh you you know now put a line through it now and all that. I mean, what the hell is no. going on with people? You, you take with a grain of salt. So so Jamie Carr is uh, has got this chance in the Melbourne Cup, and it would be just lovely if uh, Jamie Carr could pull it off. Dean Yendel, by the way, has picked up Ladies Man for uh, the Sharrock ta- uh, Stable in New Zealand, uh, ran third in the Auckland Cup. So Dino's got a ride. God help us if he wins with the acceptance speech. Um, there won't he, be a post-race. He dropped <laughs> one, he, he dropped one late on the big V yesterday. Uh, oh, uh, oh, not a major, but it was he dropped one. Um, so that's the story of Jamie Carr. That was really interesting, the perspective of Craig Williams. Uh, interesting Mick Price's perspective also about it and about um, how owners, uh, the loyalty of owners is extremely fickle. Um, so um, all eyes... Not all eyes, but a lot of focus now on, on, on Jamie Carr's quest to turn things around in the biggest race of all. And we have the final fields for Derby Day come out today, so it'll be, it'll be interesting to see how many genuine chances she's got because it was a very thin day by her standards, Cox Plate Day, uh, for Jamie Carr, not even having a ride in the Cox Plate. So um, the big races on Saturday will await to see. And just on that, having a chat to Trent Bustedon before he mentioned he's got... Um, uh, his horse, which is trying to win its way into the Melbourne Cup, going around in the Archer, which is the old Lexus, uh, which is traditionally the last chance saloon, um, mostly Cloudy, who is number 32 of 32 horses left in the race. And he said, look, I'm looking at the um, the finals at the moment and we've got another hour hour or so before it's cut off, but there's only, only six or seven horses that have been paid up for at this stage, which floored me. I, I can't believe that. It's a $300,000 race on Derby Day, which is a chance to win a ticket into the Melbourne Cup for those who are still entered. So are we um, having too many of these similar stain events in the one time? It's been a conversation that we've had in previous years, Matty, but yep. we had the Bendigo Cup, which is a big, solid field today. We had yep. the Mooney Valley Cup on Friday night. We had Geelong last week. We've got country cups all over the shop. Um, are we running out of that type of horse, that stayer at a certain calibre, to be able to fill these fields? Well, everyone wants to run their, their country cup in spring when all eyes turn to racing and the, the, there's some sort of sense that if you're not running at this time of year, you're off Broadway and so on. But we have discussed this a lot and I wrote about it a lot years ago that maybe there's just too much at once, you know, like maybe they need to spread them out through summer, new year, autumn because of the horse population. I mean, we're just getting... The Sale Cup was a terrible field. Um, we're at different distance range, but... Um, you know, Kyneton Cups have really suffered in recent years. The Werribee Cup uh, had suffered as well a lot in recent years. So whether these country cups, are, the KPIs are determined by the quality of the field or the amount of people who turn up and the local engagement and all that sort of stuff, whether how much it matters, I don't know. Um, say, for instance, if they get a crappy field in one of these races but they get a record crowd, what's the, you know, what's the measure of whether it's a worthwhile event at this time of year? So... But you're right. I mean, there's just too many of same-sames at this time of year. It just surprised me. I mean, I know in recent years we've seen a few smaller fields in Mooney Valley Cups. They had a good field, good field size on the Friday night. But for horses who are specifically maybe stepping towards a Melbourne Cup, um, there are so many avenues to go to the Melbourne Cup and win your way in that there's going to be a race or two that ends up getting the small field. And this year it appears that it could be the Archer, the old Lexus, which normally 
has a big field of horses. Yeah, the last ditch there. effort. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's it's uh, it's amazing that the last ditch effort to get into the biggest race is. Uh, or maybe there's also the issue of uh, is it too close by modern standards for people to really want to have a crack and then try and have a crack a few days later. So, yeah, no, really interesting stuff there. Just on the. Um, the World Pool, I know we discussed the figures for the Cox Plate, but not in the context of the global um, uh, figures for 2023. Uh, the Jubilee Stakes in Hong Kong was $66.2 million in uh, volume or turnover. Cox Plate, 59.95, the second biggest of the World Pool races for uh, punting engagement for 2023. Dubai World Cup was 54.52. Caulfield Cup was 54.24. Everest 51.54. So I think that's, uh, you know, given the Everest was full of familiar names to us, but it just goes to show that internationally the Cox Plate still, you know, holds that position and uh, attracted a lot of wagering. Well, having Romantic Laura, the Hong Kong horse here, yeah. obviously is, has absolutely um, driven that. But that's that's a pretty huge statement, isn't it, from the world turnover figures that it's second only to the Hong Kong QE. Which yeah. is that's that's pretty good. Moody no, Valley would be loving that. No, I think so because they get a lot of they get. What, what are they going to earn a, a couple of million out of that? Could be close to that. Yeah, um, it's a big payday for them. This Andrew Rule story about the bizarre story of the uh, the front page, front snip page, it again and on then the snip it again. Day. I'll just read a few uh, few paragraphs from it because it's a confusing story about a law firm engaging in mortgage loans and then the sort of people are involved. But uh, the follow-up story today, leading figures in wagering of the law and sports, an XQC is one of them, are trapped in a Ponzi scandal now, sh- now shaping uh, to overtake the Melissa Caddick rort that stripped $30 million from its invicted victims. It's now tipped that this could exceed $100 million uh, in um, false promises of well-secured mortgage loans. Uh, the bloke that was in charge of the law firm, John Adams, has died and left seemingly a trail of uh, kind of mischief behind him. Uh, those that have been subjected to... Uh, there's a bookie who's lost about $5 million apparently. Uh, a football identity, $2.2 million. Um, I think I know who that football identity is. A huge football identity. Uh, a former store gift winner with dementia who has found out that he's lost everything as well. A former Queen's Council who's lost over a million dollars. So this story is just going to continue to grow and grow, I would imagine. A lot like the previous Ponzi racing stories did where... More and more victims uh, become aware, you know, become revealed. Geez, a big story. It's like peeling back um, the onion layers, isn't it? Here to see where this ends up. Um, you feel for those people who have been duped. There's huge, staggering amounts of money which has been um, bandied about for people that you think you're investing in a in a low risk, safe um, through a law type. firm and um, and a person who by all reports, has been a very good friend to these people for years and years. Yeah. Um, and then you subsequently find out on that person's death that all is not what it seems. And, and there's a lot of people in the racing industry that have been uh, affected. And VBA-connected bookmakers about $1.8 million. So, um, yeah, incredible uh, 
and I think what's been enlightening about it too is I don't know many laymen like me out there who knew that law firms engaged in that sort of that sort of loan sh- loan activity. I just I wasn't aware that that was part of their brief, to be honest. So, so that um, we'll we'll probably find some more follow ups to that. Uh, Golden Eagle uh, barrier draw. Um, Mitch Friedman <laughs> just well, just when he thought things were getting better. Let's have a listen to what Mitch had to say. Attrition. Without doubt, given the Victorian visitors draw barrier 19 in the Golden Eagle. He's got tactical speed. He's a versatile horse. Um, he's going really well. He's had a good time of it since the Turak. He's had a, a few looks going uh, the Sydney direction and he seems to have handled it all really well. Remaining upbeat. 19. It's tough. Yeah, it, it makes it tough. I'll just go through some of the barriers of interest. Hawaii 5-0 uh, has drawn... Barrier four and Gay Waterhouse's. Got uh, Adrian Bott to yep. give a response on that. Okay. Yeah, he's run, running the Everest. Probably just showed he's looking for that additional distance at this stage of his preparation. Um, tried to keep him as sharp as we could, but I feel that's where he's going to be most effective. Um, yeah, I think the draw that we've got now that changes the complexion of the race completely for us, um, as opposed to being wide. We didn't get much luck in the Everest from, from a wide draw, so I think we're, we're drawn ideally. He's got the great tactical speed. He could have put himself outside the lead had he needed to in, in, in a fast run Everest. So stepping up in trip, he can, he can be pretty handy to the speed. All right, so four for Hawaii 5-0. One out from there is Amelia's Jewel in five, uh, trained by the breakfast co-host Simon Miller, <laughs> uh, who had this to say. Uh, it's nice to draw a gauge. She probably won't know herself standing in the barriers for so long. Usually yeah. she just gets in last. And, and away she goes. Yeah. I flew in on the Monday night and watched her gallop reverse way on the Tuesday here at Flemington. And then um, I... Ducked back out a couple of days later, back to Perth, and she got on the Sydney leg straight away, which is always pleasing to see. And then she did it again Saturday, and she did it again yesterday. So uh, Damien can't believe how quick she can switch. And but her greatest asset is she's got a really good brain. Well, that brain's going to have to turn things around, isn't it? Uh, she had a she's had a spin around at Flemington uh, Sydney way. All the indications are appetite as much as anything else has picked up with Amelia's jewel, but she's still got that cloud over her from from that pretty ordinary run in the in the Turak. Uh, the world's richest jockey, as he's known as, Yutaka Take, won't be riding the Japanese representative Obamuramai uh, because he's injured himself in Japan and Josh Parr will be the replacement for, for that horse. Just a couple other... What are some of the more... Legato, Barrier 6, so the key runners... Yeah, we'll have... Um, Ken Kelso on a little later to, to chat about that. We'll also have Bo Mertens, who's riding an attrition on the show a little later there. So, Legata, that's a nice gate as well. There's there's some big winners and some big losers, obviously, in that field of 20. Uh, Pericles drawn barrier one, Golden Mile barrier 18. Uh, Kova Leek has drawn 16. Uh, uh, Radina and Osipenko have drawn well in three and eight as well. So, it's a, I mean, it's a how much is it worth these days? Ten million bucks, twenty runners. It's going to be luck will play a big part, but it's good to see Amelia's jewel uh, drawing a good go. I wonder who's entitled to be favourite in the race, and I wonder what price Amelia's jewel will $4. end up will end up being. She's the four dollar favourite. Wow, that's that's a gamble. That's and a massive gamble. Hawaii uh, Hawaii five zero was four dollar fifty favourite. What odds is Legato? Legato is third favourite at uh, eight dollars. That'll do me. That will do me. And Hawaii five zero. I think that market's taking a big gamble on Amelia's jewel. I really do. Uh, but so anyway, you're, you're a watch and see man with the, um, Amelia's jewel. Yeah, I think so. I, I just I'm, I hope she wins for Simon. Um, her best probably will go close, but is she a better horse than Legato? I'm not sure. Anyway, it's going to be a good race. We'll have to we'll we'll, we'll look forward to that. 
Um, those jockeys who got injured at Taree a few a few days back. Mm-hmm. Uh, just an update from Tony Krasafi, who's the head of the Jockeys Association up there. And interesting, uh, Courtney Vanderwerf uh, has uh, had a operation on her collarbone yesterday. That went successfully, so she's coming good. Lockie scores generally a positive uh, report, but he's still in a coma. Uh, he's seen that he's giving some positive signs, like some hand movement that is good. and so on. Jeff Penzer, who's 52 years old, big, big figure in country racing New South Wales. Ribs, lung, a lot of pain. Maybe this might be a career ender for Jeff Penzer. Plastic running rails. Tony said to me, Tony Crisafo, that without the plastic running rail, there would have been a death in that race. Mm-hmm. It would have killed a jockey. New South Wales still has over 40 tracks uh, without plastic running That's rails, including Berrigan, which races three times a year. Uh, I, my understanding is that the Jockeys Association has offered a reminder to Racing New South Wales about the urgency of uh, going um, plastic everywhere like we do in Victoria. I'm, I'm staggered to hear that there are 40 tracks. Did he say 40 tracks that don't have... The once-a-year type tracks? Plastic running rails. That yep. that would be the number one safety, um, I suppose... Um, priority. Priority in racing. We, we saw it in New Zealand on the weekend with Celine Gaudry, the, yep. the way that the plastic running rail gave way. Oh, I'm staggered to hear that. Well, I, I knew that, believe. and that's why there's been so much disquiet in, in, in some quarters in New South Wales about the celebration of all the high-end stuff they're doing, but there is there is the other end of the scale too that a lot of people have been frustrated by in recent times, so hopefully this will spark some sort of a... Uh, a change in mindset. Well, I mean, racing New South Wales, it's obvious. They focus on the top end of town. They want their biggest races with the biggest prize money. They want Metro Racing to be the premium content because it's the biggest turnover. It's the biggest um, publicity and promotion of the sport. But, you know, a lot of the, the country tracks are not looked after properly. We lose a lot of meetings in New South Wales. But uh, and you can understand why they want to pri- prioritise that. Whether you think it's the right or the wrong thing is a different argument, but you can't argue with the fact that jockey safety needs to be paramount. No. And whatever, if it means you take a couple of million bucks off a dud race and make sure you've got plastic running rails in it, it seems a no-brainer to no, me. Absolutely. So hopefully they will finally uh, make some movement on that front. Absolutely. The Paddos, um, the, the best site you'll ever see You'll ever see when you go to Flemington during Cup Week is when the Patterson horses cross the road from Crown Street. The Clark of the Course horses, uh, it's like a throwback to the past. They've got the lean to it in Crown Street or Crown Avenue uh, uh, with John and his two sons. Um, they're kind of part of the furniture, really, at, at the, as Clarks of the Course. And the strip that goes from the winning post to the arch at Flemington, where, you, where, you, where the horses walk back to scale, is now known as Patterson Avenue. I love it. That's uh, great. No, good on them. Good on them. It's, just a, it's not a major thing, but it's a great thing that they've done there. So that's fantastic. Well done, the VRC, for doing that. Then you'll be able to say in the, the Melbourne Cup winner who... Um, Paddo's sons continue the tradition to lead in yep. uh, down Patterson Avenue. And it can be a meeting point, too. I'll meet you at Patterson Avenue, you know. Um, James Doyle has quit Godolphin. This is pretty big news. And he's going to race uh, ride uh, for Emir of Qatar's uh, fast-growing Wantham Racing in 2024. Uh, that's pretty big. James Doyle's been a really significant Godolphin rider. So that's a, a relatively new, wealthy operation that started up there. Um, some more buying up from the Aussies at the Tat Sale. Uh, Kieran Maher and others uh, have been 
continuing to buy up there. Adrian Bott and Gay Waterhouse paid 575,000 guineas uh, for a horse called Balance Play. Uh, and there was quite a, a few others as well, including, as I said, Ma Eustace uh, active over there. Breeders' Cups at Santa Anita on the weekend. Uh, there was some really good vision of the Aidan O'Brien Army all going out on the Santa Anita mm. track and just having a loll around the track. Uh, so he's well represented. You know, another black mark, though, the Santa Anita, Santa Anita Derby win, a practical move, bang, heart attack at Santa Anita this week. So another terrible outcome over there. Um, field of 13 for the Breeders' Club Classic. Uh, Arabian Night for Bob Baffert is the favourite. Uh, one of the hot pots in the race, Archelangelo, has been scratched, so there was a bit of a disruption there. Um, and that's just about it, I right. think. Well, Michael. I'll get to a few SMSs. There's quite a few which have been coming through. Um, I've had a look. There's only final uh, seven final acceptors in the Archer. Uh, final acceptances are in about six minutes, so that's from a... Uh, someone who's got access to the, the system there. We'll wait to see how many uh, are final. Uh, a few more SMSs. Um, people are bagging Jamie Carr without knowing what they are talking about. There's a huge element of that. And then there's other SMSs. I'm a huge fan of Jamie, but she is out of form. And you also can't criticise people in the media for being critical of that form. You can't have it both ways. She got universally lauded in the past two years when she was riding plenty of winners. How do you define she's out of form, though? Just because she's not riding as many winners doesn't mean she's not riding well. It's not One doesn't necessarily correlate to the other because she's not getting average out the prices that she was getting of her successful rides a year ago. They were probably average price about four to one throughout the, throughout the race card. Now, because of the Blake Shins and others, she's now having to forge her way back. She's she's not on those sort of horses. She's not getting as many rides. Of course she's not going to ride as many well, rides. I think there is a general consensus that she's probably not riding as well as what she was when she was riding 100 winners in the season and winning the premiership. But you would have to produce evidence of that. Like, show me... Well, Show me the bad rides. On Geelong Cup Day, yeah. she rode a couple of horses which probably were not up to what punters' expectations were. Von Hawk in the last race. But, but did I'm she not ride it badly or did the horse just not win? Well, he was ridden probably upside down to his usual pattern and over-raced. Um, now, but I'm not a jockey. so No, you need exactly. To get, nor am I. I mean, you I, need I, to get other, yeah. others uh, that can analyse it. I suppose at the end of the day, though, if you're riding used to riding 18, 19, 20% strike rate and you've ridden three winners of your last 50, it all can't just be bad luck or bad no, horses. No, but it can be because the the, the the 20% strike rate was when she was getting all the all the best rides as well. Like she's just, you can't maintain so the strike rate. what did Price say yesterday? Uh, his view was um, if there is an issue, he'd be happy to talk it through with her. But he said it's basically owners. Owners are very fickle and there's no loyalty. So uh, it's a perception. That she she may be, but it's very much a thing that probably only she and some of the more astute uh, jockey watchers would be able to answer is, how does she feel? Does she feel that her timing's out? But it, you can't maintain those figures that you talk about if you're not getting the same sort of rides you were that allowed her to have those figures. You, you, can't, you can't just say, oh, well, she was riding at 20% and now she's not, so she's out of form. That doesn't make any sense. Uh, lots of this. I mean, it's, it's a topic that it um, has a lot of um, people's, you know, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It, it, people are, are, are divided on this yep. topic. We get a lot of positive ones. Um, Maddie, uh, not riding well at all. How can you keep um, But But arguing? that person who said that, Give me three videos of her riding, literally riding badly. 
Well, there's a lot of uh, SMSs coming through <laughs> from punters that have probably backed them but, as but, well. But, but they may be right, but I can't. I don't know how they can quantify what they're saying. Um, just on Jamie Cather, biggest problem I have with out-of-form comments is a lack of respect to the other jockeys. Do we just assume she's uh, beating the likes of... Uh, uh, that she's not able to beat the likes of Shin Lane, Jamie? I don't think that's the case. Um, there's others here saying that maybe it's Jamie Carr's um, previous um, public uh, uh, run-ins with stewards that uh, have some owners not wanting to put her on. I don't think that's the case. Um, a bit of other ones. There might be a bit of everything in it. There might be a bit of last tall ten favourites have resulted in zero wins. That's not ideal. Um, so look, it is a very contentious topic for the punters mm. out there, and no it's doubt. because she is such a big name. Huge. Um, yep. Yep. And but I think I'll tell you the one yeah. thing I think everyone wants to see is they'd love to see Jamie Carr come out and just go bang over Melbourne Cup Carnival because we want to see our best jockeys uh, winning races. Yep. Um, and there may also be some truth to. Was her desire to get back for the Spring Carnival, did it override her readiness? That may be true, but I don't know how you and I or any of these people can can actually edu- have an educated view on that. Um, G-Train says, I think there is uh, a fact that the Archer uh, is too close to the Melbourne Cup these days and trainers prefer a two- to three-week break before the Melbourne Cup. Yep. Um, Maddie, I was thinking the same thing in regards to a standalone Bendigo Cup meeting. Uh, imagine putting that on in autumn uh, when the Sydney Carnival is on. Well, I think I've long argued that I think the uh, the big the big meeting they have in the autumn, the Gold Rush meeting, maybe they should put all their eggs in one basket and have the Gold Rush Bendigo Cup all as part of the one autumn program. Is the fact we don't have so many overseas horses not having preliminary runs means lower numbers in these lead-up stain races? That's from Peter and Parkdale. That's um, probably a salient point there. Um, what, else, what have we got here? Um there's a lot of here. Well, stop being lazy, Matty. Why don't you go back and watch all of Jamie Carr's rides and then you can have an informed opinion. Um, does the derby need to freshen up? Um, there seems to be a lot of those staying horses going to the um, paddock. I know there's we a have certain... We that argument every... every certain <laughs> every, commentator every who I do a Sunday show with who's very, very up on the steel about... Uh, the need for the Melbourne Cup to go to 2,000 metres. The um, Melbourne Cup? Uh, sorry, the Derby. The Derby. To go to 2,000 metres. Uh, it's not going to get them through the turnstiles, the Derby on Saturday. The, the program itself will, but... But you, you've got your spring champion stakes now a week earlier. Mm. Over 2,000. Yep. Worth 3 million bucks. So, uh, no, I, I think I, I think you leave it as it is. I don't I, have a view. I, I think you leave it as it is. All right. Um, there's a lot here. You're right, Maddie. The punters knocking Jamie are through, talking through their potic, uh, pockets. It's okay to be critical. She's a professional sports person. It's the talk of the track. Trainers are talking about it. No different when horses are criticised. Um, it's a bit more sensitive with jockeys as opposed to other sports people because if it's weighing heavily on them, they're the ones that could come a cropper and kill themselves. I don't know if Dustin Martin's at that same level of risk. So I think... Yeah, to be hypercritical of jockeys is, is everyone's right. It's a democracy. It's a public sport and all that sort of stuff. But it it can weigh very heavily on the, the people who least need to be feeling that way when they're steering these things around. Don't worry about Jamie. She's far too good a horse person to be out of form for too long. She'll be back. Boys, Jai McNeil is another example of a jockey whose luck is down uh, due to numbers and quality of rides. Don't forget, he won the Premiership and a Melbourne Cup a yeah, couple of years ago. Jai's facing a bit of a... that. Part of his career at the moment. There's no doubt about that. But you cannot make slow horses go faster. You good, can, but it's not legal. That's a, <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
the Cornwall Stakes is now the three-year-old race of the season. What do you think about that? Yeah, it probably is. It's got that dangling, gigantic carrot at the end of it. Um, so uh, there's no doubt about that. You look at all the pedigrees. You know, I remember the year Waller had four or five zoo stars in there and su- sunlight bowled them all out the filly. There's no doubt the Coolmore's got that status. Uh, I th- we were talking about it yesterday. I think the, the all strength now goes to final day. I think it's the day that, because of champions, the champions concept, I think that's where the glittering horses will be. Um, quite often in Cup Week, the one thing that was never there was the Cox Plate winner, like your Sunlines and Northerlies. But I think the star horses will go on final day, and it's going to be interesting to see as final day... Champions Day evolves where the crowds start to go at Flemington. Um, Oaks Day is a basket case. They need to do something about that. There's no doubt about that. So, In uh, what regard? Well, they were getting 95,000 there 15 years ago. Now they're getting less than half that for Oaks Day. So there's something wrong with one. Something had to give with the costs and all that sort of stuff. And it seems like Oaks Day is the day where people have just said, nah, I can't. that's the day I can't continue to afford to go. Well, it is still a work day. Well, it was always a work day. And mm. so we're getting 95000 there. I mean, we've discussed this a million times. My view is it should be half-price twilight. You know, make a gamble. race, Run six races. You know, use it as the point of difference that if everyone's arguing that Cup Week's very expensive to, to really commit to the to the whole carnival, well, take one out and make it the affordable option. Uh, Matty, uh, you're going to be in the studio. I and will. And Matt Nevitt will be up live uh, from the track for Bendigo Cup Day, grabbing all the trainers and jockeys. So I'll be looking I might have a, to I that. might have a nice bludge. <laughs> Just for a change. Just for a change. <laughs> all right. All right. No Matty worries. Stewart, RSN's racing editor.